Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 157. This cast, as always, is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% BIOS bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined, of course, this week with my two co-hosts, Ed Wynn of Tales of Adventure and Jim Casali of... HurricaneWatch.com, also known as CoolStuffInc.com. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing good. Uh, much better than I was expecting. Um, the worst case scenario hurricane predictions were not true. So uh, my house is still here, which is great. So you would say then that the fears of this hurricane were overblown? No, I would not say that. Uh, I always say that you should take take hurricanes seriously but understand that predictions that far out are unlikely to be 100 percent correct and you should do your due diligence like i this is not like really related to mtg finance but just like hurricanes are a pretty common thing in florida they happen every year they don't always happen where i live every year but when they do have they do come around you know you have to be prepared for them and it doesn't matter whether or not it hits you it's better to be safe than sorry. So, like, one of the things that I didn't have to do this time that a lot of people did was, like, go out and buy supplies. Uh, a lot of people are mad because, like, the hurricane didn't come and they feel like they got lied to. And, like, that's not really how it works. Like, it's a prediction model. It's kind of like, you know, what we do here. We try to predict what goes up and what goes down, and that's not necessarily 100% accurate all the time. And you have to understand that that's, like, part of what you're you're getting in with like predictions like they're not they're not like set in stone especially so far out so like the prediction was you know almost a week out at this point and it was not correct but you know i'm i'm happy that i did what i had to do to make sure that i nothing happened that is good to hear ed how are the hurricanes treating you wherever you are uh, I've been at home for like six days now or something, seven days, eight days, eight days last Monday, eight days. It's been odd. I've done normal people things, like I cooked dinner over the weekend, I Would go you for make? a walk. Dumplings. Yo, where, where are your pictures? Why didn't you post any like pictures of your dumplings? Uh, I'll send it to the group after this. Okay. Um, you yeah, should post, go for no, them. no, now you have to post them on Twitter. Just, like, post pictures of the dumplings with no context of people have to listen to the cast. If you follow Ed on his Instagram, he posts a lot of good-looking food. And then he flames me for not being able to take pictures of food, so it works out. But anyway, this is not a culinary uh, podcast. This is a MTG finance podcast, but we can turn this into a food podcast because we just got the trailer for Throne of Eldraine, and it involves some cookies. Uh, Jim, did you think that the video was sweet, or do you think that um, they they did too much with the with the food and the fighting and all that stuff? I mean, I thought that the War of the Spark trailer was going to be the best that they could ever do. It was the culmination of years of storytelling in you know this trailer in a style we've never seen before with you know evocative music and animation that's like not a thing that we usually get right like we usually get like some moving card art and like some ominous voices and some vague things going on and like 
this time we got like a whole trailer of like the timeline of like Liliana and Gideon and and uh, Nicobolas and I was like, yeah, man, this is like this is this is the best. They went all out just for this, and then they did like basically I think something even better for Throne of Eldraine. So um, I don't want to spoil what's in it, but I think it was very well done. I think that's probably the single best marketing thing that Wizards of the Coast has done for their set releases. Um, and actually reminds me a lot of what Hearthstone used to do, but then like doesn't really do anymore. Um, it's a it's you know very good production quality. It you know gets you in the mood for what's going on. It gets you excited to to play with Ronald Eldry. Ed, what were your thoughts on the trailer after uh, right, desperately trying to get out of your your microphone? Is muted. yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Ed, what was your um, your thoughts on the trailer uh, after being cooped up in the house with your parents for a week? Were you ready to get out and like start looking at the new Magic stuff? What was your first impression um, for Magic, for the new set? I've actually done uh, other business-related things, so I actually have not had much time to follow Twitter much. I know that some people posted over the weekend, people were getting spoiler kits that had apparently a broken gingerbread man cookie inside. Um, I know there's a trailer that was released earlier, I actually haven't had a chance to look at that yet. I actually haven't really followed up on the spoilers much as well. I know they spoiled the adventure mechanic or whatever it is, um, which I thought was kind of interesting, but I actually haven't. Uh, had much time to look long and hard into uh, into what Throne of Eldraine is actually shaping up to be so far. Jim, as the person who basically knows every single mechanic for EDH, how do you feel about the new mechanic that they spoiled? Because there's a lot of people saying that this will be very good for EDH and Cube. Uh, there's more than one? Sorry to clarify, the mechanic where one side is a creature and the oh, other adventure. side is a spell Talking you can cast. Yes. Adventure. Uh, I think it's really great. Uh, I have played with some of the cards already, and I enjoy them a lot. Um, I don't know how good all of them will be. Like, for example, the the red one, the two one that has uh, Adventure is the Shatter. Um to me, it feels like a more, it, it's a better body if you want to play something like um, Ingature, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't go to your graveyard, but it gives you a 2-1, so it costs like a little bit, it, it, it's, it's like a Manic Vandal, but you can split the mana over turns, which can give you a lot of things that you wouldn't normally have gotten. I don't know, like it's more flexible if that's the kind of thing that you want. Um, I like the cards that they've spoiled so far. They're not, like, outstanding. They're not, like, oh, man, going to be constructed staples. But they're just, like, they're fine. Um, the, the Beanstalk Giant is one of the ones that's available on MTG Arena right now. And, uh, it's definitely better than, like, the, the usual random three-minute uh, rampant growths that they give us. So... That's cool. I mean, there's a bunch of knights that have it that have like pretty sweet um, instances and sorceries that you can use with them. 
I don't know how good all of them are going to be in the end. Like, we haven't seen a rare one yet. I think they've all been commons or uncommons. So, uh, for now, they look good. They play well. Um, they were a little weird to read at first, but I think that once people play with them, they'll realize that it's, like, actually a pretty reasonable mechanic. Um, the other two mechanics in the set are uh, Adamant, which is if you spend at least three colored mana of the color of the spell when you cast it, it does something extra. Which, with the fact that they told us what the next couple of sets are like, leads me to believe we're going to be playing a lot of monocolor decks in the near future. Uh, and then the other mechanic that they have is food tokens, which are basically like clues that make you gain life instead of draw your cards. Um, and they're obviously not as exciting, because drawing a card is better than gaining three life um, almost all of the time. But the cards that make them are different, and the cards that use them are also different, and they have like a different rate, we'll say, than usual. So... There's definitely a lot of things to like about it, and I think that people are just like mad at the moment because it's like, oh, this is not as good as uh, not as good as a clue, which is understandable. But I think there's still a lot to be explored here that we'll see soon. Yeah, and moving on from the mechanics, as we give Ed a little bit of time to catch up um, from his sabbatical. Uh, we had SEG Dallas this weekend, where people like Ali Warfield came out with a green-white Eldrazi deck that um, basically took the meta by surprise. There's obviously a lot of Stoneforge Mystic as well. I actually tuned in to watch Modern for a bit just to see like if cards were going to go up or stuff like that. Um, I'm curious if Ed caught any price movements from that or if Jim watched any of it to see what the new Modern metagame would shake out to be. Uh, I did. I actually watched the majority of it. It was more or less playing in the background uh, while I was doing other things. Um, I think that I think it's good to have modern then, and I think there was probably a disproportionate amount of viewership because this is really the first opportunity that we've had a modern premier tournament that hasn't really been overshadowed by. Um, dredge hogak some sort of degenerate deck in some capacity so i think people were a little bit excited to see the new things that were uh that were being introduced to modern um i i think star city also made uh made some efforts to showcase decks that may be new um so i from what i recall uh there were definitely some new things we definitely saw some stoneforge mystics in action um, I think it remains to be seen what modern will look like going forward. Um, mainly because the Star City events that usually follow some sort of major change, like a new standard, um, a new set release, post-ban, unbannings, etc., they generally don't really have refined decks. Um, I think once we have more of a premiere you know, Grand Prix or something, I think it'll bring some some of the more tuned decks um, into light, and that'll probably give us a better idea of what Modern actually looks like. Um, if you actually follow the uh, Moto meta right now, Stoneforge Mystics are much, much more dominant than what, um, than what Star City would have them appear to be. Um, 
other than that, I think a lot of the expected outcomes from the Stoneforge Mystic uh, unbannings uh, came to fruition. I think there's an article post posted uh, earlier today about how the Monday and Tuesday post-bannings were actually higher in sales volume than Black Friday last year, which is a pretty interesting statistic. Um, that definitely encouraged people to go out and buy a lot of different cards. I imagine that now with Hogak out of the way, it probably opens up a new avenue for people to actually try things in Modern, especially in Modern Horizons that may have been suppressed by the presence of Hogak. Um, so uh, I think the article, they listed the 10 most uh, sold cards and along with Stoneforge Mystic, uh, most of the swords were also top sellers, both of the Modern Horizons one, Sword of uh, Steel and Sinew, and Truth and Justice were up there, along with Feast and Famine, which saw major, major jumps. Batter Skull was on the list. I can't quite remember what else was on the list. Uh, Cathartic Reunion was on the list, which is interesting. Um, oddly enough, I think Dredge actually won the uh, Modern Open in Dallas. Um and which may be interesting that may be something to note going forward i would caution people against jumping to get rid of their leyline of the voids and various graveyard hate cards right away um i do i do think dredge is still very powerful i think uh it's just a matter of how of what tools people want to replace it the obvious ones are insolent neonate cathartic reunion these cards were very powerful dredge definitely existed in some capacity before hogak existed I don't think it it would it's necessarily uh, wise to just uh, write dredge out right away. Um, so if you, if you still have leyline of the voids, I would consider I would reconsider selling them right away because I do think there's still plenty of mileage left in them. Anything that you have to add about that, Jim? Um, not really. Uh, I don't play modern particularly often, so. It's not really my area of expertise. I would like to add that I don't think it matters what TCG put out, in my opinion, about how it was their best weekend of sales or whatever. Like, the market will naturally grow over time casually. Um, so, like, I, I don't really see any reason to be celebrating that. The other thing is, like, people just got paid over the weekend as well, I think. I think it was the end of the month. So, like, maybe they have that money as well. But, it, like, Arena is clearly fueling casual players, which we all know and we can see. Um, I just, like, don't get why they're pushing that out there. And then, secondly, they're saying how much of a success Direct was um, for their biggest sale ever. Uh, because I obviously, like, I think my account is Direct Air Pro. I, I honestly forget. Um, but, like, I don't get why they're they're pushing like the success of direct and how big the sales are like to me like i would have just saved an email for another two months and like if it was a bigger black friday then i would have put that out there but i don't get why they wanted to notify everyone about the success of this weekend so i think it's just important to note that yes you're right i think there's a lot of mitigating factors that made that make it very difficult to delineate exactly why it was so successful like is it necessarily just because these cards got banned that tcg did well not necessarily um in case anyone forgot we had eight percent kickback um last week instead of the five percent i mean obviously i i don't think anyone 
didn't expect some Hogak or some judge piece to get banned. So that uh, the stipulation was that if something was going to get banned, then it would be 8% instead of 5%. Um, I think all these together make it, again, make it very difficult to discern this is what did so well. Um, and like you said, I think with how Arena has probably just exploded the Magic populace over the past year and a half or so, there's definitely more people wanting to play Magic, but I do think it's I don't it's probably not something that's worth celebrating. I think it's just simply an important statistic, and probably you know more than just like a small blip in the radar that hey this is something that's worth noting that there are a lot of volume of cards being moved at this time, considering how we would not we would not normally expect this time to do so well for TCG sales mainly because towards the end of summer is generally a time when people are focused on other things. Last week pre, uh, preceded Labor Day weekend. People are going back to school. Um, so I think that it is it is not irrelevant that TCG had such a big sales day um, last week. I think the other thing I'm just going to end the subject on is that Vegas just happened. Like I've seen, like I've had vendors uh, share their sales numbers with me post Vegas. Like this is the first week where you could th- like actually list everything in your booth before indie where everyone got a breather and not everyone's going to Indy and everyone had time after like a month or two on the road to just get all the inventory online so that they can recoup their investment. So it's just like another thing to keep in mind is like vendor A may have only had X copies online while they were vending, but now they can put all their copies online while they're processing all their buys. So I I don't expect, uh, and like, I'm probably wrong because Ed's going to this Grand Prix, but I don't expect Grand Prix numbers to be insane in Indy this weekend outside of a few cards because I feel like a lot of people won't have money this weekend uh, like they did in Vegas because they haven't been paid yet for all the online orders that they shipped this week post-Vegas. It's also worth noting that Gen Con was a little less than a month ago and Minneapolis was even sooner than that. So there's just not a lot of cards in the area. A lot of people that would have dumped cards probably already did so at Gen Con. I do recall that it was oddly enough is actually I think the first time I met Jeremy was GP Indie in 2016. We allegedly packed a foreign black bordered box. Uh, allegedly, um, I think this was it was actually the first time I met Jeremy, and I I do remember that Indie was at the very very end of August. It was the last week weekend of August, and Gen Con was two to three weeks earlier. And it was a fairly miserable event for vending because people simply didn't have cards to sell. Um, so I do kind of expect the it to be the same this weekend, but uh, we'll have to see. Well, Ed, your backup option is always a nice Harry and Izzy's shrimp cocktail. So got to get right on that burning train to Flavortown. Um, moving on, though, um, from just like general finance trends and all that... Um, we also had Brawl announced, and I feel like Jim is like always right on the money for this sort of stuff. Uh, they've been, Ed, do you want to go over the reprints, Jim? Actually, this is probably a good place for Jim to go over uh, the reprints and like what's been announced lately as far as the financial impacts of these Brawl decks. Yeah, so um, you can see this on the Daily NGG website. And you can play the decks on Magic Arena. Now, I don't, I don't get paid to shield, but uh, I know that a lot of people like myself would rather play them before I buy them since it's free and the event to enter is free. Um, so 
in each of these decks, uh, there's actually a pretty good number of rares. I don't know what these are supposed to cost. Do either of you know what the like MSRP is of them, even though they don't have MSRP? My guess is 20 to 25, just based off like the cost of these decks, if I remember correctly, what they cost us. I imagine, but I can't give you a de- I can't give you a definite number. I imagine like nineteen ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine, like Jeremy said, is probably probably in line with what they should be. Any less than that, and then they're they really can't jam that much into them. It's kind of hard to have a full deck without being sort of an introductory product, similar to the Planeswalker decks that we had in the past. And anything past that, you're just getting a little bit too expensive without having too much stuff in them. Yeah. Uh... So I played a lot of the Bant deck. Uh, that deck has um, some okay stuff uh, as far as reprints. It has an Incubation Druid, a Hollowed Fountain, one Temple of Mystery. Um, kind of the rest of it's just like a bunch of value commons and uncommons. Uh, there's a Risen Reef and a Time Wipe. Not not like stuff to write home about. Um, and then the new cards that it has are the Arcane Signet, which is I believe is in every deck. Uh, True Lane Teller of Tales, which is the Fox Legendary, uh, and then there's actually a couple of um, couple of other uh, rares in this deck, but I'm not sure if they're part of the booster set or not. It's not clear to me because they didn't spoil all of them exactly that way. I think that they are not. Um, yeah, okay, I'm looking now. Yeah, they're definitely not. So the ones that are going to probably be uh, important to know about are Fairy Formation, Steelbane Hydra, Thorn Mammoth, and Tome of Legends. Uh, those are all those are all four rares that I do not believe will appear in the booster set. I believe they will only be in Collector's Boosters and in this box set, which is a little odd, but uh, is what it is. Oh, I, I guess there's also to mention um, on Magic Arena. There's new art for Command Tower that's in every one of these decks. I don't know that it'll be the same in paper because there are some Magic Online promos that don't exist on paper. But I have to imagine if this is the art that they used for them, that they're probably going to use that also for um, for the uh, paper products as well as the Arena products. Um, Knight's Charge, which is the uh, Mardu deck, has basically all of the standard knights that you could possibly want. Uh, it has Midnight Reaper, Knight of the Ebon Legion, and Corpse Knight, which are basically the ones that people have already played in the standard. Uh, this also has a um, Godless Shrine, and Temple of Triumph, and some like random equipment stuff that I don't know anyone cares about. Uh, and the training, the tournament grounds, dual land. So that's new. I don't. It's hard to read this deck list because the new cards are kind of messed up on the Wizards website, and I know you're not surprised, but like, it says that Omnixus's Cruelty is a new card, and it definitely isn't. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, the Jun deck has a Temple of Malady and a Stomping Ground. And some general purpose things. Um, the rares in this deck are not particularly exciting. 
and is mostly uncommons, like has a fine finality and a dreadhorde invasion. Not not exactly exciting. Uh, this one also has a Thorn Mammoth, which I think is a card that a lot of EDH players are going to start playing. It's similar to Gruul Rage Beast, except you don't have to fight, and you don't have to fight with your guy, like with the one you play. So it lets your 6-6 fight something whenever you play a creature, which is much better than a 6-6 that lets your creature that enters the battlefield fight something, because you can, can't play a 1-1 because it'll just die. Um, and then the... Asper deck is also one that we should probably mention. It has a Temple of Silence, a Watery Grave, and a Smothering Tithe, which is probably the whole cost of the deck right there. Uh, I expected this one just based on like the reprints of this deck is going to be quite expensive, even though it has a bunch of cards in it that are actually quite good. So I don't. Yeah, this is just the... this is his website is the worst. This is Chemist's Insight in the like new cards pile. That's definitely not a new card. So I, I'm I'm working my way through. Yeah, like the, the, all of the Ravnica cards are like messed up. I don't know why. Anyway, I played a bunch of this on uh, Magic Arena. I think the decks are all pretty good. I think they're especially good for people that uh, haven't played Brawl at all, at all before or haven't played Commander. Um, they're all pretty balanced against each other, and they all have very different play styles, which... I think means that this that you should treat these brawl products, despite being a standard legal product, as something closer to a commander release, where it's better to buy all four of the decks than it would normally be, because the deck the cards in these decks are actually quite good. Um, some of them specifically scale with multiplayer, um, multiple opponents, which makes them less good for standard players, but because you can only get these cards in these box sets and in the collector's boosters means it's quite difficult to come by them. Um, personally, I am looking to pre-order a set of these. I know it's really like not surprising considering I buy commander sets all the time, but I think these are actually a lot more fun um, because they're 60 card decks and they're pretty tuned to, to play well against each other that you might actually get a lot more enjoyment out of them just like playing casually with some friends than you would the um, Planeswalker decks and uh, stuff like that. So I don't know. Overall, I think these are a good. These are a good product. I think they're a good value. I don't think they're going to do them for every set. It seems like it'd be a lot of work for probably not a lot of gain. Uh, I would be surprised if they didn't do this kind of thing. Maybe like on every fall set. But um, I'm definitely excited to play with these, and I'm, I'm going to see what pre-order prices look like, and hopefully be able to buy them soon. I agree. I think that this is a very good product that they can uh, they can make some money on. Players will appreciate the reprints. It's another way to get reprints out there, and it helps more people buy Magic cards, which is good for basically everyone listening to this podcast. Right. I, I think that it also is important to to note that like if you don't own all your Shocklands and all your temples, uh, I believe there's five temples, so there's four of them are getting reprinted, and only four of the six Shocklands are being reprinted. So if you're missing any of those. You probably don't want to wait to pick them up. Anything that you want to add, Ed, before we move on to our pick of the week? Uh, wow, this is a short episode. Uh, sorry, I meant credit winner. Yeah, this is the first time we do we're doing credit winner in like a month. Okay. Um, 
I, I think the part that intrigues me the most is how beginner-friendly these Brawl decks are. Um, one of the things I actually really miss about having dual decks in the past is that dual decks are actually a very, very good tool to teach new players. Um, there, are, there are some issues with them. They're not all of them have been balanced, but with them being taken away, there's not really a good way for basically two new people or one teacher trying to you know teach and help new players get into the game uh there hasn't really been anything good the free decks that they give away at the stores are pretty lackluster i think they're a little bit too basic and they don't actually help teach some of the more intricate parts and moving pieces of the game um so i'm actually pretty interested to see how the how well these do i discovered that the planeswalker decks don't really play well with each other and I think that they um, they don't really help fill that role. So I'm a little intrigued to see how well these do. I know that's something that they've uh, I've had people ask me about in the past as a way to get you know parents trying to get their kids into magic or whatever um, as a good way to start. And I haven't really had anything that's been good. Um, so hopefully this changes that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I think it, it is best if these aren't meant to be released every set as they're more kind of a special fall release type thing, but we'll just have to kind of see how these play out and especially how much these cost. Um, I think anything more than like $20, $25 is probably just too much uh, for his product, but that remains to be seen at this time. Yeah, I definitely think that some of the decks okay. are more beginner friendly than others. Um, I probably wouldn't give the Bant deck to someone that's never played Magic before, because it'd be. I, I think that that one has a little bit more complicated lines in terms of like things that it can do. But I think that the Knight deck and the um, Esper deck are probably pretty straightforward, and you could have those two play against each other without any problems. Yeah. All right, you guys ready to move on? I don't know. You tell me. You're you're driving this cast, right? Uh, sure. Well, I can text and drive. We're the only state that's allowed to do that still. Um, so Jim, we finally have a credit winner this week. It took a while with uh Google uh Hangouts going down, and so we had to switch to record the podcast and get him back out on time. But we did have a bunch of people in our free Discord. That does not cost money. Uh, leave questions. It doesn't cost money. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's how it works. But uh, Jim, if you want to pick one of our Discord listeners, most likely. I think literally everyone who commented this week is in our Discord. And if you're not in our Discord, it's on our Twitter. Um, so yeah, Jim, you got a good uh, credit winner of the week. Not pick of the week. I keep mixing them up. Uh, so I think that's something that people are like, thinking a lot about but don't necessarily have an answer for is um, the question that Jack Tan asked this week, which says, Hey guys, with the collectors of boosters, collectors booster arriving soon with Thrones of Eldraine, how exclusive of a market can we expect these to be? I've spoken to my LGS owner and they said that these are allocated numbers. Uh, I think that they're always allocated. So I think that that means that they are low allocated. Uh, I was just wondering if these are UMA box topper level or masterpiece level of rarity. The prices for these are $310 on CCG Player and $260 on eBay. I was wondering if I should pull the trigger on these. Thank you. 
so just to clear up any misconceptions, uh, collector's boosters in general, like the special things in them, are available in regular boosters as well. Uh, the extended art stuff and the alternate art stuff and the alternate frame stuff are all available in regular boosters at lower frequencies. The only difference is that these booster packs will have them in all of on all of the cards. So this basically just is like a super booster of all the cool stuff instead of just a regular booster that could have some cool stuff in it. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of people having these up for pre-order yet. Um, I don't know if a lot of stores know how many they're getting yet. So it's hard to tell if these are good numbers or bad numbers, especially since we don't know most of the cards in the set. So unless you're specifically looking for the extreme oddities, like the non-foil versions of the uh, Brawl Deck Commander guys, or like foil versions of like the Arcane Signet, I think those are the two like like exceptions to the rule of they're not in booster packs, but they will be in collector's boosters. Unless you're specifically looking for those cards, and a lot of those cards, it will probably behoove you to just order singles instead. Uh, I, I think without going too much into it, since so much of it is still speculative at this time, uh, I think this is a type of product that will probably be more rare than uh, what people think. I think the both the high price point is largely a deterrent to people, uh, both stores and consumers. Uh, this kind of goes back in line with Modern Horizons um, and how that kind of affected the price of singles. I think a lot of people were expecting Modern Horizons to be cheaper. It wasn't. A lot of stores simply didn't want to want to order more than what they would initially sell, and that more or less led to kind of a shortage on singles at the start um i do think these are the same way granted this is a little bit different in the sense that no one is you're we're not preventing anyone from playing magic if they don't order collector boosters uh this is a purely aesthetics thing i'm sure there'll be people out there that want these again it's geared towards a different type of player um Imagine you'll have cube enthusiasts, uh, EDH players, etc. That this is more geared towards, more marketed towards. Um, with that said, I don't think these will be released in large quantities. I think the um, the price, like I initially said, was is it's going to act as a turn. I think a lot of stores are going to be reluctant to order a bunch. Um, and as a result, I think that might constrict the prices a little bit. We might see prices be fairly high, depending on how many, uh, depending on how many of these actual booster stores order, and then that would in turn affect the singles. I think again, right now it's all too speculative. What I do foresee happening is that people are not going to care about this at all, and then they're going to drop something that is they're going to drop some sort of easter egg or something that like some something incredibly rare something that's going to be particularly sought after and then it's going to cause the price on these to explode and then everyone's going to want them and there's not going to be enough supply um that's the same song and dance we've seen time and time again um i do expect that to happen but again it's all speculative so i i think right now we just have to kind of wait and see um especially with spoilers coming out 
probably within the next week. Usually Wizards, uh, the way they spoil their new sets is they usually release the bigger, more exciting things first. So I imagine that once that drops, that'll kind of give us a better idea of what the collector booster will look like and what we should expect. Yeah, I tend to agree with your assessment on that. Um, this feels like it could be another Commander's Arsenal sort of thing, where, like, not necessarily to the same return or just um, how sought after it is, but I do feel like a lot of people are going to forget about this and that there may be room for actual collectors or uh, investors to get some type of return on this product. Um it's also getting released in October, which we keep hitting on the head is not the best month for buying and selling cards. So just keep that in mind. Um, so if there's like a good Black Friday deal, that may be something that I would be interested in if the price hasn't gone crazy by then. And if there's still enough allocation uh, for it to be found. No one else has anything to add about this? Nope. I think, uh, real quick, I think the best way to approach it is that if you see something you like, I would just watch it carefully. You can see uh, how many people are listing the quantities on TCG. I just have a rough idea of how quickly this applies to pleading. Um, that's, you can kind of gauge the, uh, what the most popular cards are being in this set just to see how much the stock decreases. Uh, over the course of a day. Um, I don't think, again, that you should go crazy with them. I don't think it hurts necessarily to buy one if you want to stash it away or if you just want to open it for the heck of it. Uh, if you're just looking to open it, I don't think that you should count on getting your money back. Just think of it as, hey, I'm just throwing you know, 250 bucks or whatever at this for the sake of opening some cool products. Um, you do have to remember that these are going to be roughly $25 a pack I think that there's 10 packs inside a box. Someone help me out here. Um, I believe I, that is the case. Yes. Uh, and that puts us roughly at the $250 uh, price. And obviously we see stores marking it up to, you know, 26 to $31 a pack uh, to account for that. Um, so uh, do with it what you will. But again, this is all specu speculation at this point. I think we could just... We just have to really wait and see what spoilers look like next week before we can make a better judgment. I imagine that this is a topic that we'll, re we'll probably revisit in a week or two. And it's something that we definitely should be revisiting. Um, so, Jim, where can uh, he claim his um, credit? And where can people leave uh, questions to win a free $25 gift card for next week? So you can send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. I'll get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffing.com. If you'd like to win next week, you need to leave a question on the coolstuffing.com page that will go up our podcast uh, the day after, hopefully, it's, uh, we record it. So, probably September 5th. Yeah, I should be able to get it up by then on Cool Stuff. Um, do you guys want to get into pick of the week, or would you like to talk about anything else first? I think we're good. We can go to pick of the week. All right, Ed. You've been uh, you've been rusty for the last week, there, bud. You got any spicy pick of the weeks for the listeners? Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I think like Jim said, the obvious things to pick up are the Shocklands, Temples, uh, Core nineteen. 
or core 20, I guess. Core 19 is last year. Core 20, I think, has a lot of good pickups. Uh, it's most important to note that Core 20 was a, not a particularly popular set. Uh, there were no real high-profile reprints like Crucible Worlds or Scapeshift in 2019. Um, and a lot there wasn't really any sort of standout card that really pushed the value of the set. So I think just in general, op uh, buying Core 20 stuff ahead of Standard is probably what you want to be doing right now. Um, I think uh, my if I had to pick one thing, it would probably be Cavalier of Thorns. Or not Thorns, uh, of Knight, the black one. Um, yeah. I think it's pretty cheap. It's below $2. It is a Knight. There's a lot of Knight-based synergies in um, uh, Thrones of Eldraine. If you look at a lot of spoilers, there's a Mardu land that has... Uh, that adds mana for Knights. There's a lot of things that count how many Knights you have. and, and They interact with Knights... In various ways, I think Keller of uh, Knight is particularly powerful in the sense that uh, it's a good body. I think it has a very good value prospect on both the uh, enter the battlefield trigger and leaves the battlefield. Um, again, it's pretty uncosted as well. I think at two dollars, it probably doesn't hurt you to own two or three. Um, the mana is a little bit prohibitive from playing the full set in your deck. But I think buying these are types of things that if you're looking to play standard, you probably just want to buy now rather than having to pay a premium in two months once um, once standard kind of settles in and these cards start to go up as a result of uh, newfound demand for them. Jim, thoughts? Uh I think it's a little difficult to cast, but there's def there definitely could be a deck that wants it. Um, my pick this week is Hydrate Crisis. Uh, I know I usually pick cards that are less expensive than this, but I do think that this is a card that, given what we've seen so far, will fit into some kind of boomerang deck in the future. Um, the fact that food tokens gain you life and give you more time means that cards like Hydrate Crisis, which are better when the games go longer, will be better in general. Um, the fact that uh, the new Planeswalker Oko is blue-green leads me to believe that there will be some amount of support for blue-green. And after playing the Brawl deck, the thing that I've noticed that it doesn't have that I would really like is uh, Life Gain, which is conspicuously on this card. So, I don't know. Hydrate Races is just the kind of thing that I think that people maybe have forgotten about. Uh, because it hasn't been in the forefront of everyone's mind, but if there's a blue or a green and green mid-range deck, that it's going to definitely be one of the best, if not the best, cards to be playing. Yeah, I I also agree with that. Um, Hydrate Crisis is definitely a card that we've seen in the past go a little crazy. Uh, I remember like a year ago when it was the best thing to be doing in standard and basically any deck. So there still is time for it to. Um, see a resurgence, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something you should keep in mind. I'm particularly interested in the Nicol Bolas. Uh, its casting cost is like some, it's like all seven color. Jim, do you remember what it's called? It's like black, black, red, red, blue, blue. Dragon God. It's blue, blue. It, it's yeah. the same as Cruel Tomatum. Yeah. 
I'm particularly interested to see what happens if Standard slows down a bit to see if uh, this card has a home in Standard. Um, like, it's a Nicol Bolas, it's always going to be able to sell for something, um, and it hasn't really seen that much Standard play uh, compared to its M19 version, the one that flips, where that did see a bit of Standard play. Um, so I'm definitely going to be targeting the M19 Nicol Bolas um, when it rotates, because I feel like there's a ton of casual demand behind its uh, the other side of it, and just like the front is just a fun casual value town commander. But I am interested to see, sort of like not to the same level where Jace Architect of Thought spiked at rotation. I am just interested to see what happens to this newest version of Nicol Bolas at rotation. So those are the two Nicol Boluses I would be looking at come rotation. I think it's funny that you mentioned that. The, the flip nickel bolus in particular is one that I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just wait it out. It's going to get cheaper, and then I'm going to buy one. And it just, like, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. I don't know why. Exactly. Yeah, so I've been noticing that because it appeared, like, the shop wasn't able to restock them at basically any, like, normal buy list price because players just don't want to get rid of them, and supplies like, not going to hit the market a ton at rotation. Right, exactly. Uh, besides people, the fact that, people, like, people will stop cracking booster packs. I mean, I don't think that there's anyone really opening booster packs for Nicobolas. I think it's, like, peak uh, supply has already existed, but, like, the people that own them are the people that are playing them in formats that aren't standard and don't care that it's rotating. Yeah, so... That's just something I would keep in mind. Um, there, like, there's nothing wrong with getting a nice, healthy, small return on some of your cards versus like just trying to hit a home run out of the park. So, that's uh, that's where I would put my money this week. Um, for all other things, though, because it it does seem like you guys post a lot on Twitter with free financial advice. Where can people find you on your other social platforms or in real life? Uh, I'm Edwin. You guys can find me on Twitter at Edwin13. I will be in uh, Magic Fest Indianapolis this weekend. As soon as I can find more details about this Brainstorm Brewery thing, I will probably make an appearance there as well. Woo! Yeah. And then I... Oh, I what? I have details for you. Oh, okay. If, if you need, like, an invite to the party. Right. And then thing. I will also be in Grand Prix Atlanta at the end of the month for Legacy. Legacy, yes, that one. Jim? My name is Jim Desai. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. Uh, you can find me in the kind of miserable state of Florida. Or you can find me in Montreal uh, September 20... 20th through 22nd. Uh, I'll be there at... Uh, I don't remember the name of the park. Uh, to the Pokemon Go. So if you see me, you can say hello. I'll be with my wife. We'll be catching all of us. I'm Jeremy. I won't be at Indy, even though it's like a three-hour drive. Not not interested in going. Um, you can find me at the Nerd Rage Gaming Legacy 5K next weekend. I'm playing Casual Legacy, and it's great. Um, that's it. I don't think I have any other Magic events. So, not bad. Gotta play Casual Legacy this weekend. Format's still great. Uh, I have a Modern 10K coming up in a month and a day from now. Uh, for charity supporting the children's hospital so if you're interested in that um you can find more details on moonbase markets facebook page thanks for listening guys you can find the podcast on twitter at cartel underscore finance you can find us on soundcloud youtube eventually um 
and all the other fun places like our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We do appreciate your support. Have a good week. And as always, guess what? Bye-bye.